science is not a boy's game. It's not a girl's game. It's everyone's game. It's about where we are and where we're going. Space travel benefits us here on Earth, and we ain't stopped yet. There's more exploration to come. Nichelle Nichols. Welcome to Gal's Guide to the Galaxy. Your host, Lisa Leo, leads a roundtable in the universe to discuss women in music, literature, science, and more. Warning, time travel is possible. Hello and welcome, everyone. I am your backup mission specialist, Dr. Leah Leach. Lisa has asked me to take controls for this episode, and I'm happy to keep the time travel machine sailing. So for this episode, we have gathered gal pals to talk about women in STEM. Now, NASA has the Mercury 7. We have the STEM 7. Today, we're going to talk about three hidden figures gals who are Dorothy Vaughn, Katherine Johnson, and Mary Jackson, as well as Annie Jump Cannon, Hedy Lamar, Mary Anderson, and Ada Lovelace. Now, these are names you might not know, but it is certain that you have used their inventions or understood the night sky a little bit better because of their work. So before you learn just how our STEM 7 changed the world, let me introduce you to who is on board with us on this episode. Now, if during this opening quote, you thought or said to yourself, my goodness, that is Ohura from Star Trek, then you are going to love our very first gal pal. She is the president of Starbase Indy, which is an out-of-this-world Star Trek fan-run convention in Indianapolis. Miss Lisa Meese is here. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> We're so happy to have you. <laughs> Yay. Now, what would you say when it comes to STEM? What do you gravitate towards or what kind of like comes more naturally to you? Science, technology, engineering, math? I think science is my favorite because it's about uh, how the world works and learning about, and it's everywhere. It's not just, um, it's not just engineering. It's not just exploration. It's anything we want to understand about the world we live in. Yeah. Oh, I dig it. I love it. Absolutely. And next is returning guest to the show. She has been super excited about this because she is a gifted artist. Her most recognized work is her portrait of Hedy Lamar radiating with Wi-Fi code. And it suits her wonderfully because this gal is a self-proclaimed science nerd. It is Miss Bonnie Fillensworth. Hello. Welcome back. Thanks for having me again. I love it. So which STEM field speaks to you more? Uh, science and technology. Um, science covers a lot of different fields and tech's awesome right now. I'm Engineering just seems like magic to me. Right. It's the like, wizardry, basically. How do you know that bridge is going to stay up? Like, I don't know. You know, just like Arthur Clarke said, any uh, sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So, yeah. Ooh, I like that. And you remembered that offhand. I'm bad at remembering quotes offhand. <laughs> Sweet. I love it. For me, it's got to be science, too. I think, all right, so we are some science-loving gals. I mean, there's nothing wrong with these other fields whatsoever. It's the what do you gravitate toward? It's a Coke or Pepsi question is honestly what it is, right? Or Elvis or Beatles. Like, you can love both of them. You just kind of go towards one or the other. Um, I love the practical observation of science and the study of science. I also love anything intellectual. So, you know, I kind of get into the science. But even, like, abstract philosophy. I mean, 
my my silly little doctor title is because I have an honorary degree in metaphysics. So anything intellectual, <laughs> I am all about. So, but I dabble in all the little sciences and all the STEM fields, um, which actually brings us to our very first discussion, because the real life gals of hidden figures, they were brought into NASA because of math, but not actually all of them stayed in that particular STEM field. So on galsguide.org, we actually have full coverage of the amazing lives of three of the real life hidden figures gals. They go far more in depth on the website and their legacy, but to kind of, you know, give you glorious listeners a set the tone, if you will, uh, in wartime fear of the 1940s, uh, the thought was we'd win the war in the air. So the NACA, which was the National Advisory Committee of Aeronautics, which is a mouthful, right? It formed and hired women as computers. And I would use finger quotes, but it's a podcast, so that doesn't help. Uh, women calculated and double-checked math on various aviation research. And as the war ended, the government changed their gaze to space and the NACA became NASA. So women were sought out from the best universities in the country to apply. Franklin Delano Roosevelt issued an executive order desegregating the defense industry and opening it up to black Americans, including Dorothy Vaughn, Katherine Johnson, and Mary Jackson, the hidden figures ladies we're going to talk about. So Dorothy was first hired, uh, and through adversity, she became the very first black supervisor at NASA when she took over the West Area Computing Office. Now, she had already been doing that job for months, like some people say maybe even a year <laughs> before she officially got the title and the pay grade. Uh, but over time, the women who were running the numbers were being replaced by the IBM supercomputer that was coming in. So Dorothy thought she would teach herself the computer language Fortran and created a position for many women and men to recheck the computer and to test the computer as well. Then next up, we have Katherine Johnson. Now, this girl was a math prodigy. Uh, she graduated high school at 14. She graduated college at 18. They put her in everything they could. Uh, she used analytical geometry on aircrafts and spacecrafts that were crucial for the Mercury missions and the Apollo missions, and she worked at Flight and Research. So Catherine received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Barack Obama, and it's an adorable video, by the way. <laughs> we have it on the site, and it's just too cute. Uh, she also recently celebrated her 100th birthday. So Catherine Johnson is still with us, which I love. <laughs> and then lastly, Mary Jackson. So Mary Jackson started the West Area Computer, and she became the first black engineer at NASA. After receiving special permission to attend an all-white night school to get her engineering credentials, Mary worked in the supersonic pressure tunnel, factoring how wind drag affected aircrafts. Now, when the tunnels closed down, they kind of became nitrogen, and they weren't using them as much. Mary became the federal women's programming manager, and she helped many women and minorities find employment into NASA. So that is kind of like the, the very quick, almost like refresher sort of thing or brand new information about these three ladies. So my first question is, is because there is a fantastic movie called Hidden Figures. Uh, there also is, same title, 
of the book in a adult version and also a young reader's version as well. Um, Bonnie, I will start with you. Did you see the movie or read the book? I saw the movie and I just purchased it recently. Yeah. Because I went looking for it and I was like, how do I not own this? <laughs> Happens to me quite frequently. Yes. <laughs> so my mom and I watched it a couple months ago. Yeah. I love it. Lisa, what about you? So I did uh, watch the movie, I think, twice. Sweet. I haven't read the book Hidden Figures, but there is a great pair of books. It's a fictionalized version, essentially, of this story. Yes. By Mary Robinette Kowal. And the first one is called The Calculating Stars. And the second one that just came out is called The Faded Sky. Oh, nice. And it's a fictionalized world. It's a science fiction world where a meteorite hits Earth in the 50s and wipes out a big city. And so they have to go to the moon or they they want to get off the planet, right? Right, right. It's more of a safety survival. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. And uh, in talking about the book, I read an interview where she said... She was so excited that Hidden Figures, the movie, came out because she was doing all of this research about these lives and how the world was that women were doing this work and that we had plans to go to Mars in the 50s. You know, there were folks working on that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And but no, she was afraid no one would believe her and they would think that was the part of the of the story that was the wildest when it's actually based on reality. That's the truest part of it. Right. And it sounds the most fictitious. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, fun. <laughs> I love that. Uh, for me, I did do both. I, I, I absolutely love both of them. I read the book first. Um, uh, and then, um, we went and saw the movie gals guide actually had a get together where it's like, Hey, let's get some gals together and go see this movie. Um, I will say that in the book, there are lots more women than just what's in the movie. Cause the movie, yes, it focuses on three women. They kind of become a composite character a little bit. Um, but there's far more in the book, um, that I absolutely love. So I highly recommend it by Margot Lee Shatterly. Um, you get more of a sense of kind of the gals, I think, you know what I mean? A little bit more of the, the background of them. Um, I would also say the movie is, it's exaggerated for emotional, you know, you can say a lot more in a book and get that emotional, uh, connection where in a movie you kind of have to do it a certain way and you have to be very quick. You've only got like an hour and a half to two hours to do it. (laughs) And a lot of the context, uh, especially around race and what the world was like in that part of the world. Right. And you know, the bathroom story in the movie is not exactly how it actually happened, but it's what audiences today would understand. Right. It actually happened to Mary Jackson instead of happening to Catherine Goebel. Um, But it it happened and it was to illustrate the conflict and the, you know, the unfortunate sort of thing. And then, you know, the, the segregation of uh, NASA at the time. Well, and the other, the, the other real subtle thing is that in the movie, he, you know, takes a baseball bat to a sign. Right. But in reality, at that time, an unlabeled bathroom, there were no signs for a lot of bathrooms that were white only. It was just not labeled. Right. And that, by default, meant that mm-hmm. you couldn't go in if you weren't white. Right. And so that subtlety wouldn't play in a movie. But you can explain yes. that and then understand deeper things about the culture, which is why books are awesome. Yes, exactly. You have the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, no, very true and very, very good point. Yes, I love it. Um, so Lisa, if you could shadow Dorothy uh, with the IBM or Catherine at Flight and Research or Mary in the supersonic pressure tunnel, which one would you choose to shadow for a day? 
<laughs> I know, right? Where would you want to play at NASA for a day in the 1950s? <laughs> So I think for me, all of my answers are going to go to Mary because she. I just fell in love with her based on the Gals Guide episode. Yeah. And, okay. Good. Maybe yeah. my my obsession with Mary came through because I really did become obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. I loved her. <laughs> and just seeing how a wind tunnel worked yeah. would be really interesting. The others are doing very important work. I don't know that I have the uh, competence in math to understand it. Right. Whereas looking at wind patterns, I could probably find more interesting. You get the idea of how wind works. <laughs> I get the idea of how math right. works too, right. but I don't. I, I, I think that's at, wizardry. But at deep levels, I, I probably don't appreciate. The, <laughs> probably True. wouldn't appreciate all any of it. But but it would be fun. It would be fun. <laughs> Bonnie, what about you? Who would you want to shadow? Uh, I would want to shadow Katherine uh, Johnson because when I was a wee lass, I wanted to work in Mission Control. Oh, that would be that would basically get you into Mission Control. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that would be really, really fun. You wanted to go to space camp, didn't you? Oh, yeah. The closest <laughs> one was in like Georgia or something. Right. So it's, it's, that wouldn't get happen. One of these days. It, there's still time. There's got to be an adult. Is it still around? I know there was one in Alabama because we went to the Rocket Space and Science Center in Alabama and they were talking about space camp was still open. I didn't look at the ages, though. Um, but there's gotta be, come on, there's gotta be some kind of like weekend camp. Yeah, they gotta have like adult swim night. (laughs) Right. Something. Exactly. (laughs) If not, okay, it's something, we'll add it to the list of things to work on. (laughs) I'm pretty sure, and I might be able to sneak in there. (laughs) Exactly. Well, uh, for me, I, I would be with Lisa, I would be with Mary, also in the supersonic pressure tunnel. Um, I could test variables all day. Just like throw things in the tunnel and find out what happens. (laughs) I would absolutely love that. Well, what's a favorite fact that you learned about these gals? I mean, we're just kind of like uh, scratching the surface um, of their lives and stuff like that. But what was something you kind of came across that you loved? What about you, Bonnie? Uh, I loved Dorothy snatching the colored sign <laughs> because I'm sure that was very serious then. But that is a funny anecdote for later. Yeah, this is very true that one day that sign was there and one day it was separating the lunchroom, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was on the lunch table. <laughs> Where it's like, mm, let's just see what happens when this sign just kind of disappears. <laughs> Lisa, what about you? So I love the story about uh, Mary Jackson and the way she kind of subversively approached the Girl Scouts. Oh, yes. Where she was like, oh, is this the rule? We're just going to change it. Oh, did we do it in such a way that it changes it for everybody? Huh. Interesting. Hmm. <laughs> Who could have seen that coming? Yeah, nobody. Not at all. <laughs> oh, no, that's very true. I love that one. Uh, goodness, for me, it was uh, Dorothy Vaughn with the IBM computer. Um, I loved that she helped wrote, write the handbook that explained what the math was that the computer was supposed to do so that people could double check it. It was subtly saying, I am smarter than this computer. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it a Ray Bradbury story where they uh, where where in the future humans have forgotten how to do math and <laughs> oh. and somebody uh, figures it out mm-hmm. and so and and then because it's a Ray Bradbury story um, the the military starts thinking about well you know we don't have to use expensive computers we can just put human in the missile oh um. <laughs> dangerous dun, 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 dun. <laughs> 
it very much could be. I like that. It terrifies me, <laughs> but I kind of, mm-hmm. I see the idea of, Hey, don't, don't forget how to actually don't rely on machines too much to do this. Uh, we used to be able to do it too. So I love that. Well, which of these three gals, Lisa, you kind of like already hit on a little bit of what gal or which gal you connected to and why you said you connected to Mary. Yeah. And I love, um, first the way she just showed up in the world, right? Was she the one with the soapbox derby? Yes. Yeah. The soapbox derby story. (laughs) She helps her kid and the kid wins because you know, it's uh, Mary Jackson doing this. (laughs) Um, and, but it's a mom is bad enough. And now, you know, but also that later in her career, she had to look for something else to do yeah. as, you know, as computers were be- being laid off. And she took that lateral move or actually it was a demotion, right? To it was a demo- become... She was the highest she could be. She yeah. had to be demoted to take a different job. <laughs> but she was like, yeah, but my work in the world is to help people, help more people succeed yeah. and go do that. And I think that's an amazing, amazing thing that she did. Yeah. I am right there with you. I love her for that. (laughs) Bonnie, what about you? Uh, I loved that all three of the ladies graduated early out of high school at a time where there were segregated schools and women's education wasn't high on the list, especially for colored women. Mm -hmm. But I I connected the most with uh, Dorothy uh, with her standing up for all the other ladies, yeah. like making sure that they got jobs, that they can do what they need to do. They got promoted. They got pay raises when they were supposed yeah. to get pay raises. I call her kind of like the mama bear of yeah. NASA. I mean, like, I love her. <laughs> I dig it. Yeah. And for me, it was Mary, which, uh, yeah, if you've listened to the Your Gal Friday episode, I am smitten with her. Um, I liked her sharing is caring attitude, which was something that she had in every single thing that, uh, that she took with her and how it was always about encouraging others. You know, it wasn't just about her. Um, she was that person that if she took a crack in the glass ceiling that she was shoving other people up there with her, (laughs) she's like, come on, I made it through. We're all going, come on quick. You know what I mean? She was one of those. Um, so, you know, I, I also, I come from a filmmaking background and then turn into nonprofit work. So I kind of relate that to Mary too, where it's like switching careers, going from engineering to outreach. It's like, no, I feel you. And she surprised me too, like mid research. I'm like, oh, Mary surprising me again. <laughs> so switching to the night sky, we have Annie Jump Cannon next. She is an astronomer who created the star classification system that in the 1890s still exists today. So Annie manually classified 350,000 stars in her lifetime. She could classify 200 stars an Hour. She discovered 300 variable stars, five novas, and discovered a new star on her own. She was part of the Harvard Computers, a group of women trying to classify and document every visible star in the sky. So I've got to ask the question, because we just talked about the hidden figures, ladies, right? And now there's the Harvard Computers of Annie's day. And then we're talking 1890s to like 1919. Um... And the West Area computers of hidden figures were like 1943 to 1958. What similarities and what differences do you kind of see in these two group of 
computers. You know what I mean? They're both women. <laughs> but Bonnie, what about you? What similarities and differences did you see? I like the the transition between um, in Andy Jump Cannon's day and all the other Harvard computers. It was um, Pickering going and saying, my housekeeper could do better than this. Right. And he actually hired his housekeeper, Wilmina Fleming. Mm-hmm. And then so and she was it awesome. Was, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like volunteer work that they let the women do. It was volunteer of very little pay. Right. That they they weren't allowed to use the telescopes at all. And then it's kind of gone to from women can't really do this to the women the, the whole team of women computers during um the hidden figure day right it's a whole group of women hired that for that purpose yeah. yeah yeah that's very true lisa what about you did you see any similarities or differences well i think that the work was seen in the day you know both the work of annie jump cannon in her day and the work of the hidden figure gals in their day was seen as low value work it yeah. was seen as scut work um, and work that men wouldn't do, wouldn't deign to do. Right. And it wasn't seen. I mean, clearly it is very skilled mm-hmm. and difficult and, but it was devalued and not seen as important, which is why the women were doing it. Right. Because sometimes we look at the world wrong. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I say with all the eye roll imaginable. (laughs) But yeah, no, I absolutely, I can see that totally. And I think it's a place in both cases where these people came in and added huge value and, you know, stuff that's still Mm -hmm. used 125 years later. Yeah. And stuff that got us to the moon, like things that certainly somebody else has taken credit for a lot of it. Sure. It was a team effort, though. It, 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 <laughs> yes, absolutely. But, the, you know, this perspective of women come in and add that foundational value to a lot of things in science and STEM. Yeah. Uh, and but only later do we, you know, only now are we going back and going, oh, yeah, the dude's name was on that thing. But the person who actually did it wasn't a dude. Right. Um, so <laughs> who got the credit and who did the work? <laughs> right. That that distinction is yeah. um, always very fascinating to me. Oh, yeah. For some odd reason. Yeah. Well, I love to <laughs> dig into the history, too, and be like, yeah, but uh-huh. <laughs> where were my ladies at at the time? Oh. Oh, they were they were rocking it as well. Mm-hmm. I'm noticing. <laughs> putting the salad foundation under that thing too, huh? Pretty much. Who'd have guessed? I know. Who would have thought it? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Like for me, it was the doing that labor of math. I mean, it was a labor intensive job, and it was also documentation and it was reporting as well. So you needed the accuracy to be on the line for like both jobs. I mean, hidden figures. I will say that lives were on the line. A little bit more than, you know, what is the star classification of this temperature of this star? Um, but at the same time, I would think that if a Harvard computer um, got something wrong, they were probably out of that room and out of a really kind of cool job, <laughs> even though it didn't pay that well. But still a cool job to be like, I'm identifying stars. You know, there's a giant telescope only a few feet away. I can't touch it. <laughs> But there it is. And of course, you know, the the big simulators, they were both women. 
race is a factor. And I find it very interesting if you look at the time periods it feels like it's the same kind of, well, these are women who are lucky to have a job. Mm-hmm. You know, they're super smart, but this is the time. And it's it's almost the same thing. It just becomes a racial uh, a switch sort of thing. And neither of them are fair, um, but also both of them were an opportunity to improve and to show, you know, you had, you had the uh, ability to be in the room. And you earned the right to be there and you were going to like, you know, do the work. So um, I like how it's interesting. They both relate to space and they relate to numbers and accuracy. And it's like, oh, those three things need women, huh? Mm, Interesting. (laughs) I say that as somebody who runs Gal's Guide to the Galaxy. Anyway. (laughs) So there's an interesting quote that Annie said uh, before she returned to school. And she said, quote, I am sometimes very dissatisfied with my life here. I want to accomplish something so badly. There are so many things that I could do if I only had the money. So I thought it was an interesting question because I think that's a universal question that we all have at some point in our lives. And I thought I'll be a monster and ask it now. So if you had money (laughs) or money wasn't an object, (laughs) I never assume (laughs) if money wasn't an object, what would you want to accomplish? Lisa, I'll go to you first. What would you want to do? You know, that's such a complex question for me. Yeah. uh, Because the idea that having money allows you to accomplish more is certainly true. Right. Um, but it's true because having money allows you to leverage the labor of other people towards your goal. Ah, I see what you're saying. Good point. So yeah. it's around what what is your vision and how can you recruit people? And that becomes so much easier if you have a bunch of money. Right. But also um, it becomes a different, it becomes a different thing. Yeah. And I would love to have unlimited money and I would, you know, uh, first of all, Starbase India would have different guest list if I had unlimited funds. <laughs> of um, course. <laughs> that would be number one. <laughs> but at the same time, there's a certain amount, uh, and perhaps this is a sour grape statement. I'm going to just own that up front. But I think Do there's it. a certain amount of creativity um, and clarity that comes from doing things with limited resources. Oh, I think so too. I think you work right. harder and smarter. And and mm-hmm. and to use the example of Starbase Cindy, since I started there, and it's often on my mind since it's coming up, um, <laughs> the people will come to us and be like, oh, we really wished you would have William Shatner, or we really wish you would of have course. Ryan Reynolds, or, you know, or mm-hmm. Chris Pine. And, and But the people that we do get, who we can afford to get, are often character actors who have been in a bunch of things and you they talk about you know some of them teach acting and so they speak about what does it mean to teach someone to portray an alien somebody from not on this planet and so those conversations become different when it's not just I'm going to do the thing that is about having a lot of money right and you know it's a different kind of connection you're getting a full-fledged human being instead of a caricature Right. To a certain extent. You're and, getting a celebrity in one hand and you're getting a real person with life experience almost on the other hand. Or at least you can see them that way. Right. And because that celebrity can get in the way and that yeah. money can get in the way of what is the core of the work. Right. And so I, I've kind of subverted your question. but No, you're <laughs> Honey, I do it all the time. Lisa gets very mad at me. <laughs> Not me, Lisa. The other I, Lisa. I generally like subversive things. <laughs> Yay! Sweet. So there are no rules. Yay. 
<laughs> Bonnie, what about you? Um, I'm kind of doing already what I want to be doing. Sweet. I want to be doing artwork of these kick-ass women throughout history. Um, I would have loved to go to grad school, but that is expensive. <laughs> and right. not, not much going on here for art grad school in Indiana. Just pretty much Bloomington. Gotcha. Um, I would like to have one of those uh, glass plates that uh the harvard computer ladies had right i just i just want one there you go just one i'll take one there you go who's got a cracker chip (laughs) i just want one i'm wearing my t-shirt today with the harvard ladies look at that Uh, the lego harvard ladies i love it one of these days we're gonna find a way to get you a glass plate uh, it may be just be with a piece of glass and some paint sprinkled on it (laughs) That I label from Annie, like, you know, it won't at all look like I made it, you know, in this room. <laughs> but I think that would be awesome. Yeah, because they wrote all over them. They're still on there. Ah, I know, all the nuts. Because the, they would just look at those little speckles, and then they would look at the, like, the rainbow lines that kind of came from them and be able to figure out a whole bunch of different things just from that plate. So just in that plate, that one picture of the sky, you've got so much information. You got a whole history mm-hmm. like on a plate. It'd be awesome. <laughs> For me, uh, I, I would travel. I think that's the one thing that the money, I, I'm very much of the same mind where it's kind of like, I don't, I don't need much. Um, and I love the life that I live, but I also love the idea of travel. Um, and I would travel to women's history locations to actually like be there. Um, when I went and saw Alice Guy Blanchet's sign (laughs) next to the grocery store, she was the first female filmmaker and her studio is not there. There's a sign of where her studio was and it's. It's sad, but at the same time, standing in that spot, you're like going, no, I get it. History moved on. But you know what? I, you know, I feel you. You know, I'm in that in that presence where you were and I see how the world has has moved around you. And there are some women's history sites uh, and places that I go to. um, Like I went to Annie Oakley's um, childhood home and kind of like, you know, where she got her start. And that place like feels like it hasn't changed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's just being in that place to kind of get that energy. Um, So I would travel those uh, historic sites and then, I don't know, maybe make a game or like a book series for like students and adults and and share what I have learned to get people excited about history. But, oh, travel. (laughs) Um, So the next one we have is uh, if you could have something named after you, because my goodness, Miss Annie Jump Cannon had like everything named after her, Mm -hmm. Uh, a crater, Mm -hmm. (laughs) an asteroid um a lot of things are named after her so if you could have anything named after you what would you uh what would you want miss bonnie uh a women's education center oh teach women women's history i like it some kind of women's history degree sweet i like it Lisa, what about you? I know, right? It's hard to be kind of like almost to have this egotistical hat on. Like, I want my name on something. It is weird. It's an excellent question. Um, I, I don't have a good answer, so I'm going to pass. <laughs> you are totally fine. You ponder it. You let us know if you ever come to an idea, and you don't have to. <laughs> uh, but I'm kind of in the same boat because I actually um, I have a star named after me. 
uh, our listener, Kara Wagner, um, listened to us ponder, oh, it'd be so nice to have something named after us. And she uh, she named a star after me and after Gal's Guide. And so I think that's pretty damn cool and I shouldn't ask for anything more. So I figure <laughs> I figure I'm good. That's pretty damn cool. And Kara is pretty damn cool. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. And I'm like going, oh, that hits me in all the feels. Like I was crying before I could even send her a message. Like the, the words thank you to type that were too hard through oh. tears of just, oh, that's so lovely. <laughs> so, hey. Uh, so. From the stars above to the space between, our listeners might know Hedy Lamar from her film work. I mean, Louis B. Mayer branded her as the most beautiful woman in the world. However, in 1941, she filed a patent with George Anthill for a secret communication system called frequency hopping. Its purpose was to eliminate the ability for the enemy to intercept torpedo radio transmissions and send them off course. Now, the transmission would hop frequency and would allow for unhacked communication. Well, that technology wasn't actually used until the Cuban Missile Crisis. And now it is used in cell phones. It's used in GPS. It's used in Bluetooth. And it's used in Wi-Fi. Basically, anything without wires that is not a party line is because of Hedy Lamar. <laughs> so, Lisa, were you familiar with Hedy's acting and inventing before we dragged you into the STEM fun? <laughs> I did know that about her. Uh, the thing that the research taught me was the details of how that worked with the piano roll, right. which was so cool. Isn't it fascinating that and, that's the idea? Yeah. Well, and that it came from her talking to a musician right. or a composer, right? Yeah. I, he had a piece of music that was all player pianos. Yeah. That was right. his, his thing. Yeah. So that idea of, you know, crossing disciplines and coming up with cool new things absolutely a combination of things mm -hmm. <laughs> very much so bonnie what about you uh i knew about her um you have a piece both... of artwork on her yes <laughs> i'm painting of her and yes. she's teal exactly uh, <laughs> she's your color <laughs> um but yeah i i knew about her i think i heard about her from a book of um Headstrong, it's 52 Women in Science. Oh, nice. Okay. That's where I heard about her. Ah, I oh, yeah. No, I heard about it from another podcast. Oh, no, it's fine. You <laughs> I listen to other podcasts. You can totally yeah. cross pollinate um, the podcast. The, uh, everybody who listens to a podcast listens to other podcasts. <laughs> um, uh, the History Chicks did a um, Women Inventors podcast where they had four women in there nice. and that's where i first heard but she is in that book too oh i love it see no it's not a highlander situation <laughs> there can be more than one <laughs> there's basically there's so many interesting women in history we need multiple podcasts mm -hmm. if there was just one it would not be enough <laughs> So yes, we need quite a bit of them. Yes. So all right, so I have something fun. So I have a filmmaking background, right? All right. So let's play a game. Which one of these do you think is true about me? Is it A, I have seen one Hedy Lamar film all the way through? Is it B, I've seen every single one of Hedy Lamar's films including Ecstasy? Or is it C, I've read Hedy's whole patent? I think it's C. It's got to be C. <laughs> You guys know me too well. It is C. Yes. I have not seen a single Hedy Lamar film all the way through <laughs> at all, but I have read her entire patent. 
So I know, of course, I know of her as an actress. I remember seeing her picture all over the place. I remember, oh, she's so gorgeous. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, that's fascinating. Um, she invented Wi-Fi. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I was far more interested uh, in that uh, than uh, any of her film work. So, yeah, that's just kind of where my brain goes. Um, why do you guys think the military didn't take her invention seriously? Bonnie, I'll go to you first. Um, I had heard... I don't remember where, but that they didn't want to implement a new technology in the middle of a war. Ah. Like they were like, maybe we'll we'll do the research and the testing for that later. Maybe it's not the time to like yeah. experiment with something. I see what you're saying. But yeah. That, that's what I had heard. Gotcha. Yeah. So Lisa, what about you? Why do you think the military didn't take her seriously? I think that's a generous explanation. <laughs> I think we probably all know what the real reason is. <laughs> oh, call the elephant in the room. Sexism. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's something coming from not only a woman, a beautiful woman, a, a woman known as an actress. Uh, you know, we're not always great at recognizing that people can be more than one thing. Right. And we're not always great at valuing the contributions of women. Yeah. And as this show and all the women we're talking about show, that's dumb. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Let's change that. How about that? Let's let's not do that anymore. (laughs) I completely agree. I mean, I heard that the military couldn't understand putting a player piano on top of the torpedo. Like they were, they were thinking literally like there was a piano strapped to a torpedo and that was going to, and I'm like, really guys, really? Uh, I, they just, I don't think they could see how one technology kind of cross-pollinated with another technology and be inventive. Um, I also think they saw a pretty girl who was a pinup um, and they couldn't see past that. <laughs> well, I think those things play together, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, and, and we've probably all had this experience. I think it's a very human experience where someone explains something to you and you're like, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And they're like, no, let me explain it again. And when you understand, you're like, oh, that's actually very clever. That wasn't what I was picturing. Right. But listening to that second explanation or listening the first time is very much affected by your perception of the person talking. Yeah. Oh, no, it's very true. And if you have a very attractive woman who also at the time in 1941, when she's talking to the army, she was relatively new on the scene. I mean, she mm-hmm. was just branded. She was just starring in movies. You know what I mean? She was the the it girl kind of at the time. So it was very much like, oh, a famous actress is going to come talk to me. Oh, she's so beautiful. What are we talking about? <laughs> We're talking yeah. about torpedoes and communication system. Oh, look how adorable. She thinks we can put a player piano right. on a torpedo. No, dummy. Exactly. <laughs> you missed let the me, point, let dude. Me, oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I really, I don't, I get to the point where I don't think they even listen to her. They're just like, let's take the meeting. Woohoo, yay. Um, but yeah, because, and it, it kind of leads to the next uh, question. Because uh, brains versus beauty can both exist and be valued uh, equally. Lisa, do you think it's even possible? Then or today? I'll give you either one. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's two different questions there. Can they both exist? Uh, Right. Yes. Uh, Can they be valued equally? I mean, that's uh, the perception of the people doing the valuing. Right. Exactly. It's basically, do you have enough faith in humanity (laughs) to believe one day it could be possible? (laughs) I think it can be possible now. Right. I think it is not universally 
a- applicable that is now. Fair. <laughs> um, but also, we're changing the way we think about a lot of this stuff. Yeah, we're very right? much in transition. Uh, yeah, as, as a culture and looking mm-hmm. at people for more than one aspect of who they are as a person yeah. is kind of a new skill for us as, I don't know, like a society. Right. So, you know, we might need a minute, but I believe we can get there. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a work in progress. <laughs> Some of us are farther ahead than others. Some of us are way behind. <laughs> and there's this idea that beauty is so important, right? The, the piece right. where Hedy Lamar wouldn't come and get her awards in person because she was older and not, you know, potentially not still bombshell beautiful she wasn't 25 anymore surprise surprise yeah and and knowing to value people for more than that no one Mm -hmm. is beautiful to everybody beauty is right is not a specific it's not like math it's a different thing Mm -hmm. i mean mean, yes there's a piece of it that is correlated and there's yeah but i've seen the symmetry uh, argument of beauty and it's like yeah cool but it's also it's something intangible but also the people at least my experience is the people that i find beautiful um symmetry isn't the deciding factor correct my understanding of the person right (laughs) right moral character (laughs) yeah a whole lot of a whole lot of things (laughs) but you know just a picture of somebody I and mean, like they they might be aesthetically pleasing right that doesn't mean i'd want to hang out with them necessarily exactly or maybe i would it does, also doesn't mean i wouldn't want you wouldn't have enough information if you just had exactly. a picture you wouldn't have enough information so it's right. like or, you know it's the judging a book by its cover it's like okay is this all i have to go off of you're gonna get one response <laughs> mm-hmm. but if you want you know a, a full-hearted intellectual response you're gonna need more than just a cover mm-hmm. Yeah. Bonnie, what about you? Uh, I believe it certainly can be. Um, we're not there yet. I think we're working on it. Um, I think we've got, you know, like the actresses that speak up at award ceremonies. Yes. And people tell them to shut up and they don't know what they're talking about. Go back to acting, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got, I mean women like Beyonce who is you know she's beautiful and she's running her own business like yes she's kicking ass and taking names and getting us information yes <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's definitely possible I think we just need to keep working on it keep moving in that it's direction not so much yeah that the women aren't doing the work it's how they're being perceived socially right yeah, yeah exactly um yeah for me i know it's um i know it's totally possible i also know how much of a struggle that it is and the one thing i've seen is that you need time on your side um and you also need a culture that values brains mm-hmm. i mean so we're there we value yeah. beauty done that really is not that hard but i don't think we're fully there to value uh smarts and i don't think actually hetty valued her own brain I think she really worried about how she looked like that was mm-hmm. seemed to be the most worrisome part of her um, because like she even got to the point of being a recluse just for yeah. and it's like, oh, honey. Um, but, you know, our culture doesn't it, it doesn't help that we have barely scratched the surface of accepting women to grow old. 
I think that Tina Turner has definitely helped us. And I think Helen Mirren uh, is also guiding the way currently of how women can grow old gracefully. But you know what? Not all of us have the beautiful genes of a Tina Turner or Helen Mirren. So <laughs> not everybody is Mary Jemison. Exactly. Oh. Right. I know. Not all of us. I call it the, the Dick Clark disease where they never get older. They always look the same. Paul Rudd is one of those. There's yeah. May has that same thing that why don't you get older? Look. But it's fine. Not all of us have the same genetics. And some of us, Morgan Freeman, who didn't start acting mm-hmm. till his later, probably wasn't that, you know, stellar of a gentleman looking until he was distinguishedly older. So, you know, we, we get it all. But I think once someone is actually so beautiful, we either kind of don't listen to them or we silence them. We almost mm-hmm. want them to be silent. And I will say that Angelina Jolie to me has always been an example of this mm-hmm. kind of like growing up. Cause I've, this is the time factor. I can see how she kind of came onto the scene and it's like, Oh my gosh, she's so gorgeous and all the right symmetry ways or lips or eyes or whatever. Um, and they put her on the pedestal for beauty. But the second she started getting political, <laughs> the second she was becoming something that wasn't just an object of beauty. Oh, did, we tear her down as a culture my goodness girl was just trying to exist and love children (laughs) and yeah and I would also ironically say actually the same thing for her now ex-husband Brad Pitt Mm. I think we saw him as pretty like we uh, like oh Brad Pitt you know sexiest man alive cover Brad Pitt so are we asking him what he thinks about world hunger and how to solve like alcoholism today? Nobody's asking Brad Pitt the deep questions, right? <laughs> well, and it's funny to me. I, I heard your comment and, and referring to the other podcast. Hopefully that's fair. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, about how, you know, when he broke out, it was in Thelma and Louise right. and his character was dumb. I mean, his character got laid and walked away with all the money. So how dumb was he? Exactly. There's that. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> so it's that's down to what are you crediting as smart and what are you crediting right. as valid and valuable and so much of that in this culture is um I probably shouldn't say the word that's in my head for that um <laughs> not not rational gotcha. right there you go that Fair. that uh, that we're looking at it and saying this is the thing that matters where beauty is the thing that matters and we right. all and that's a marketing scheme right because, it really is it sells know, magazines it yeah. sells movie tickets it sells whatever you're selling honestly right <laughs> and and it's but it's silly it, and it's not just silly it's damaging right because yeah. it, it it gives us and because beauty is so subjective mm-hmm. there is probably no one on the planet that hasn't been called ugly by someone trying to hurt them exactly mm-hmm. and yeah. so you know at some point we'll perhaps evolve to where we're like well that's that's a dumb insult right like exactly <laughs> why do you think that should bother me <laughs> that doesn't affect me either way i don't like, that's not in my value scheme at all <laughs> right and i strive for it not to be in mine uh yeah. and but and yet if i'm in the wrong headspace it bothers me right i'm right. getting older and i'm aging and i'm like Oof, my skin does not look like it did 10 years ago right. and, oh i'm not well, I'm, we're I'm, reminded I'm, by advertisements constantly uh right. that we need to do something about it and that we're worth it <laughs> To spend the $20 on night cream. <laughs> so there's that. We're just always bombarded with, remember beauty? Remember how gravity works? 
gravity, the, the, the Earth's hug. You right. know, without sure. it, we would be floating in space. So it's good, but also. Right, <laughs> exactly. It also makes everything a sag <laughs> over time. It's like, no, I'm not going to be able to defeat that. <laughs> makes everything sink into the hug of the earth. I heard that analogy this weekend, and it just, I'm sort of obsessed with it. You're like, yes. You're speaking <laughs> my language. You're hugging it, hugging us. I love it. I, I do think with the brains and beauty, one way maybe to fix it, I mean, I'll throw this out there. I have mm-hmm. no idea, um, is to personally value somebody's mind and moral character above the physical. And I think that's like a step in the right direction, just to value that. Appreciate it. Um, but you know, realize that, you know, judging a book by its cover is not going to, um, is, is not the intention. It is not going to get you there. Um, if you don't bother to get to know somebody's intention, you're not only treating people like objects, you're wasting your time and not really getting to know them. So that's kind of, you know, that's where I always come back to it where it's like, no, I don't want to waste my time. I want to get to know somebody. Yeah. People, people, (laughs) we are objects. We are physical, you know, we have physical things. Yes. But it's the least interesting thing about us most of the time. That's what I think. Yeah. (laughs) My goodness. Well, moving on to our next uh, lady of the STEM seven is Mary Anderson. It's a very common name. It's always fun to Google because I will tell you there are a lot of women out there named Mary Anderson. Okay. Uh, But this particular Mary Anderson has a very interesting and quick story. Uh, In the winter of 1902, Mary Anderson was in a trolley car in New York City. It was a miserable winter day. It was the combination of that rain and sleet and snow stuff. And the trolley car driver was driving with both panes of his window shield open because he couldn't keep the windshield clear. Mary noticed that all the other cars were on the side of the road using their sleeves to wipe off the snow from their windshields. Mary knew something had to be done about it. So she invented the windshield wiper. Dun, 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 dun. So how about this? Did you know, Miss Bonnie, that a woman invented the windshield wiper? Or that anybody invented the windshield wiper? (laughs) Someone had to invent it because we got them. Um, I did not know before listening to the Gals Guide podcast. And I cannot believe that it was not... that standard procedure, like required until like the 70s? The 70s is when it became an uh, industry standard that it had to be on a car. I hate driving <laughs> in the rain with windshield wipers. Uh, how did Batman? I guess they didn't go as fast, but maybe I mean, still. They were still at least going places. Right. <laughs> yeah, no good. My good. Did you know that the windshield wipers were invented by a woman I, before coming into this? <laughs> You know, it's one of those facts that I feel like I've maybe heard, but you like know. the quick little videos, yeah, like oh, but... these are the things invented by women, blah 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 blah, mm-hmm. and then you're like, that's awesome. What were they again? Right, <laughs> that. <laughs> that's just what you get with a list, I think. <laughs> That is totally fair. Yes. Um, I, I knew about Mary, about her invention, and I do actually make a point to think about her every time it's really torrential. Like, even when the windshield wipers, like, can't keep up, that's when it's like, you know what? Thank you, Mary, for just having these exist. I know they're not working right now. <laughs> but I notice it when they don't work. You know what I'm saying? Like, when they're working... That should be the time I'm thanking an inventor, but I'm not because it's working and my life is fine. 
<laughs> so it's one of those things. So I also, I love inventors. So that uh, it's my little special place in my heart. Um, but what about this? Have you ever had a merry moment, an idea for an invention or a way to improve an aspect of life or health or safety? You know, what inventions do? Lisa, have you had a merry moment? You know, I, I hope so. Because if I've gotten to almost 50 and I haven't come up with any way to <laughs> make the world a better place, that's kind of sad. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Gotcha. But... <laughs> oh, I feel like you have too. And it's like, wait a minute, I should try to remember, yeah. you know, I should think of, I'm going to say that Lisa has and just neither of us can remember what it is. <laughs> I'll go with that. <laughs> and I'll also take it as an action item to, to have some more because. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Bonnie, what about you? I'm not telling you my secret inventions. No. Yes. Oh, I know. If they're not patented and you cannot share them because your lawyer says (laughs) the copyright is not available yet, that is fine. (laughs) Oh, I did have a strong urge after seeing... I'm not sure if that's the right title. Was it Wild West with Will Smith? Yes. Or something? The Wild Wild West. There might have been two wilds in there. steampunky giant spider movie. (laughs) Giant spider movie? Yes, that's the Um, one. After getting home from that, I was like, I'm going to invent stuff. I was like, (laughs) getting tools out and... I'm glad that inspired something. <laughs> it didn't lead to anything. That's fine. I was very entertained for a week. <laughs> I remember... Um, Most movies can do. Yes, because somewhat related. I saw the Sylvester Stallone uh, race car driving movie Driven, and it was so horrible of a race car driving <laughs> movie that I went home and said, that's it. I'm writing a good race car driving movie. So I did. I wrote a fantastic one. That even NASCAR, actually, believe it or not, NASCAR considered it for Britney Spears. And then Britney went and shaved her head. Oh, no. And had her little breakdown. And NASCAR went, Mm-mm, we're not making no movie right now. And so they canned it. They ended up making Herbie fully loaded instead with Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> My movie was not that. My movie was like Days of Thunder and Apocalypse Now. It was like the realism of like NASCAR. And it was awesome. That but seems like such a Britney Spears vehicle. There was wait, a, um, Yeah, um, I know. Wait, wait, she okay. wanted to do serious yeah. projects at the time. <laughs> And so, yes, I knew I wasn't going to get picked anyway, but I was very proud of that script. But that came out of the same thing where it's like, this is horrible. I'm going to do something great. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that. So, yes, I am working on not a script idea, but another kind of invention idea that needs a lot more work and research. And it's the same thing. My lawyers say I have no lawyer. Um, (laughs) I still need to do a lot more research because it comes down to um, ideas when they're just ideas tend to get ripped off really quickly. But I will say it involves virtual reality. But also ideas when they're just ideas are just ideas. Right. And and actually implementing it and figuring out how to make it work. Right. Is a whole lot harder. It is. So yes. So I'm in a merry moment, I need to make it a merry reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is the harder part and probably the more important part, really. <laughs> so, yes. So now we get into our time travel gal. So uh, it may seem really odd because in this episode, we have covered a lot more biographies than articles. A lot of times we're talking about um, articles relating to the topic and not so much about uh, actually women of history. But you know what? It's just the way the cookie crumbles. And this is a glorious experimental podcast that we're doing. So it's fun. Uh, But our time travel gal is a special one. And she's super fun to talk about because she's a little bit of a mind warp. 
at least kind of she is to me. Um, plus, the second Tuesday in October is International Ada Lovelace Day. So it is a day to celebrate the achievement of women in STEM. And on FindingAda.com, you can connect to live celebrations that are happening around the world. So it's quite fascinating. I highly suggest checking it out. Even if you are some days late, if you're listening to this episode past October 9th this year is where it falls. Um, I highly recommend going to FindingAda.com. So Ada Lovelace, a little brief history here. Uh, She's the first computer programmer. And a couple of things to note. Number one, she's not the first female computer programmer. Uh, She is the first ever. It has been recorrected on a Gale's Guide post once or twice. We get so used to saying the first female this, the first female that. No, this girl's the first ever. Um, Also, number two, she was born so long ago that there aren't photos of her. There are paintings because <laughs> photos didn't exist in her day. She was born in 1810. Ada Lovelace was way before the modern computer as we know them today. But basically, she saw into the future. I will say almost time traveled, if you will. See what I'm doing there. Uh, but she wrote down by hand an algorithm for a giant steam-powered calculator that was called the analytical engine. And she programmed it to compute Bernoulli numbers by plugging in the decimal equivalent, therefore creating the first ever computer program. Uh, Ada is fascinating uh, because not only with her work with Charles Babbage and his steampunk engine, which we have a lot more on Gal's Guide Uh, .org, by the way, including a video of how this machine actually works and what it looks like. Um, But Ada's father, uh, he was the infamous poet Lord Byron. Uh, Even though Lord Byron seemed to have slept around uh, a lot, and we're talking men and women, uh, Ada was one of the very few legitimate children actually born to him. And it is said that she was named after Lord Byron's half-sister, Augusta, who he was also sleeping with. Interesting. But Lord Byron only stayed in Ada's life for about a month before her mother, Anne, said, screw this guy and left. Uh, And Anne really worried that the arts is what made her husband insane. So she actually steered Ada into math and science. Um, She gravitated towards it, but she was generally kind of like pushed in that department. Uh, So were you familiar with Ada? Before we kind of got into research, Bonnie, what about you? You also uh, have artwork of Ada yes, as well. Yes, I did a painting of her. Yes, with it's it's like it's my favorite one. Is that that your favorite one? I, I love how you one. you have the algorithm yes, like behind I her, found her through in the note G, yes. and I did that. I built her up out of that formula. That's I think it's my favorite one oh, I've done so far. Gorgeous. Um, but yeah, I knew about her um, before the research. I don't remember how I found out about her. She but was just always with her. you. <laughs> <laughs> I like saying that and be like, do you believe me when I say it? <laughs> but yeah, I knew about her before. Sweet. Lisa, what about you? I'd heard the name. I didn't realize the time period she lived in. Right. I didn't, she, was, she is uh, from earlier in history than I realized. Yeah. Because you hear computer program and you're like, oh, okay, what, well, like 30s? 40s mm-hmm. of the yeah, 1900s yeah. right <laughs> right yeah it's just off by a century or so it's fine exactly why would that matter mm. oh, oh. <laughs> exactly what did you find the most inspiring about ada 
Lisa, I'll throw it to you. So I love, first of all, that, you know, her mom, her mother was a, a, was a mathematician called the, the princess of parallelograms. Yes. And, and that her mom is like, oh, we're, you're not going to not like your dad. Exactly. So you're going to do this stuff instead. <laughs> yep. I love that. That's not really about Ada. That's about her mother. Right. But, you know you what? Know, it, it was an influence. <laughs> uh, right. And it speaks to the presence of Lord Byron in that family a little bit. A little but, bit. You know. Um, and, and the fact that her work was first not understood for a hundred years and she had ideas like you know anything can be turned into numbers and then turned back out of numbers so whereas babbage was like this machine will make math she's like this machine can do whatever we make it it's fascinating isn't it yeah and just the the mind behind because it blows my mind a little bit that computers use ones and zeros. Yeah, like that's at the, it. At, they convert all of the stuff mm-hmm. to ones and zeros. Yeah. And that, I mean, my brain does not quite comprehend that. But <laughs> right. not only does she comprehend it, she figured it out first. Yeah. And figured it out before it existed. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty amazing. It's like she saw the code before there was a code. Yeah. It's quite interesting. Yeah. (laughs) But I think there always is that person in history, and sometimes we know their story, and sometimes we don't. And I think it's really common that we don't. Yeah, it's far more common we don't. The idea of significance and what does it mean to be significant, and for the part of history that we are close enough to have lived experience in a room talking about it, um, you begin to realize that the person that breaks out and is known for an idea is not the first person on the scene. Right. Right. It, they've, they are following on the footsteps of many, many people whose name you've never heard. Exactly. Yep. Oh, very much so. Yeah. That's why it's, it's very odd to find that originator. <laughs> right. Cause you're like, what was that before that? It's like, no, honey, we're talking a hundred years before computers. I think we've gone far back. <laughs> we're pretty close to the, the inception of it. Bonnie, what did you find the most inspiring about Ada? Um, she was only 36 when she died. Yeah. She was a very sickly child her whole life, and she did that. I mean, that note G that she has, she was asked to translate the, um, the paperwork for this whole thing, and she made that note. That note is longer than the rest of the paper. Right. <laughs> that, she, she explained it, and then some. Yes. <laughs> so back to scut work, right? She's going to do yeah. the translation, and then she did this thing that some women do, which is she made it better. Right. She made it relatable, mm-hmm. and you know, almost gave it a legacy to a certain extent because she explained the unexplainable instead of just here's a machine that you know, mm-hmm. um, because they they built one the differential machine. And then they wanted to build this analytical machine. And that's what a lot of the papers were. Where if this supercomputer, this it wasn't a computer at the time, but the super engine will be able to do more. And they were trying to convince people. And so Ada's like, well, I can convince people. <laughs> I'll explain what this one that is built does. And then I will go into what the other one can do and get them excited. She was like a PR department <laughs> for basically a giant calculator. And it's like, we need those things. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I love that it was the same thing, that she saw a beyond what the thing was to what the thing could be. Um, I go into schools and I always talk about how she thought about how this could break down um, music. Yeah. 
and it could be relating to music and to make music one day. So I used to tell the kids that uh, Ada would have loved dubstep and EDM. <laughs> she would have loved it. <laughs> and all of a sudden the kids are like, oh, I can actually relate to that. I'm like, yes, you can. <laughs> So I love it. So what was the the favorite fact that you learned about her? Not necessarily inspiring, but uh, but favorite fact, Bonnie. Um, it's been a while since I listened to the podcast, but I'm not sure. I think it's in there. She built a little flying machine yeah, when she, she was a little kid. Yeah, it was so adorable. <laughs> um, she had a book called Flyology. She wrote a yeah. book when she was little. <laughs> yeah. So I love the whole little flying machine. She's a little inventor, like. Back in the day, before I'm, the airplane, yeah, she was she was before yeah. that too. Before yeah, her. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you got kind of Da Vinci first, but you know, sure, like, yes, what? I will give Da Vinci. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, I love her her quotes. They're so like, just like cocky. <laughs> just so it's something like, um, my brain is something more than just mere mortal as time will tell or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with it's it. so yep. great. It's just like you go girl. <laughs> she was smart and she owned it. And she tried to, um, I'm sure her mom threw a fit. I'm pretty sure she's the one that tried to like run off with her tutor. Like she was like, writing notes about, uh, she didn't do it or she did. It was only for like a day and gotcha. she came back, but she was, she was like 16 or something and like ran off with her tutor. Oh no, not for love. <sighs> you have too she, much she of your father in dude. you. Oh, sorry. That's, that went Star Wars for a second. <laughs> <laughs> she married some other dude, but the, it was, yeah. Interesting. Oh, I tell you. <laughs> Lisa, what about you? What was your favorite fact you learned about Ada? She was so young when she met Babbage. I mean, not for the time, but she right. met him at 17 and, mm-hmm. and he was, not 17 not 17 <laughs> um and and then just was able to insert herself in that work right she yeah. in the paper and and like quadrupling its length and and putting in that her valuable work she found a way to do that in a time where it certainly wouldn't have been welcomed right yeah and from what i read charles babbage never downplayed her role in it mm-hmm. like he didn't be like oh my assistant or my translator he was like, she is part of this as well. Ada's ideas. And I'm like, that was also rare for the time. <laughs> yeah. Props to him. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> there are a few of them that are out there around there. that time that were championed. Very, very odd. Um, the weird fact that I always take with, but she died when she was 36. Mm-hmm. Same age as her father. And she's buried next to him. She yeah. requested to be buried next to him. They never met. He left when she was a month old and he died when she was eight. And it's like, oh, I always think it's kind of creepy weird. It's a little creepy. Sad. <laughs> exactly. Sad. But if you could go back in time for our time traveling gal uh, and meet Ada, what would you want to ask her? Lisa, I'll go to you first. So I'd love to talk to her. I don't know that it's a precise question, but talk that to is her fine. about yeah. how she sees this piece of you know bits and bites and how does that look in her head what what is she visualizing or does she visualize right not everyone visualizes when they think right exactly what what is in her head that she thinks will turn into this yeah or is it music or is it a feeling or is it yeah Mm -hmm. what is it that manifests into understanding that'd be no that'd be a fabulous question i would love that Bonnie, what about you? Uh, 
I'd want to ask her what she would want us to be doing with computers. Uh-huh. Because it seems to be mostly cat videos is what we're, <laughs> we're going down. I know, but um, I can't give up my cat videos. I know. They're so freaking cute. I know. That's an excellent use of computers. I thought <laughs> that's, that's what it was invented for, really. Yeah, she, she drew a little kitty in the margins. Oh, that'd be fantastic <laughs> if she did. Um, now I'm, we must look for doodles. Exactly. I'd also want to ask her about, like, she seems like she had a really uh, weird relationship with her mother. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's just, you know, what we're piecing together, what we have available. What we're also projecting at the same time. Yeah. And, and that's fair. Like, <laughs> oh, this is weird. And she, when she died, she had a kid and that kid had a weird relationship with her mother, too. Yeah. Like, it, it kept weird. repeating. Yeah. She seemed yeah. like a, her, her mother seemed like a weird lady. Right. Well, I mean, she married and had a kid with Lord Byron. That's your first kind of weird. <laughs> like, your standards are different. <laughs> like, and whose first uh, words to his daughter are reported to be, oh, what an implement of torture I have found in you or something. Right. Like, oh, dude. Welcome to fatherhood. You're a peach. <laughs> and, oh, did you leave? Shocker. It was probably better, but, I mean, come on. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> Showed up to find out if he had a boy or not. He wouldn't know what to do if he had a boy either. Fooling himself. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Oh, and you, did you want to share your Mary Shelley story? Because, yeah, you know, uh, Ada's buried next to her father. I found out recently, and I don't know how I didn't, didn't know. Because I knew about Mary Wollstonecraft before. Mm-hmm. I knew about Mary Shelley and I knew that Mary Shelley had lost her virginity on her mother's grave because she's like the original goth girl. But yeah. She's Wednesday Adams before <laughs> to, there was Wednesday Adams. She invented been, science fiction for heaven's right? sake. It, it might have even been, he might have been still married to another woman at the time. Might I as don't well, remember. probably. Um, but her mom was Mary Wollstonecraft, which is like so weird. the lady who wrote the book that inspired all of the suffragists and suffragettes. Mm-hmm. So it's just crazy. It kind of all like ties like, together what? in a very weird, dark, empowering <laughs> history it's like, way. It's so bizarre. If J.K. Rowling was the daughter of Agatha Christie or right. something. It's yeah, yeah, so yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I just, I, I find that story fascinating. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> oh, all right. So mine might be cheating because I love to cheat on this. Uh, and I think it's also, that's the fun part of the show. It's like, how can I not answer the question, but answer the question? <laughs> um, I would ask her, I would ask Ada um, if she wanted to ride in the time travel machine. And if she wanted to meet her father, mm. that's what I would ask her. Cause I think she needed it. I don't know. I just, it's a gut feeling. And again, it could be projection, but I feel like she needed to see him or ask him or something. Like, I feel like she wanted some closure and I'm only going with that because she wanted to be buried next to him. And I'm like, why yeah. would you want to be buried next to a guy you've never met who didn't want to be part of your life at all? Um, I felt like there was a what if part of her life. Yeah. And so I'd be like, you want to ride in a time, time travel machine? You need to do something. <laughs> Let's go get closure. Let's figure out what yeah, that is. This definitely seems like she was missing something, but I don't feel like she'd be disappointed. Like I think so, the, too. The don't meet your heroes thing. Yes, exactly. And I, as the paradox, you know what I mean? The, the butterfly effect, I wouldn't do it till after she had already done all of her awesomeness. Yeah. Like two days before her death. You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't want to like change anything and <laughs> be like for closure. Still, please write your algorithm. Please, you know, leave your awesome quotes about that mind of yours. <laughs> but if you need this question answered, that would be the gift. So uh, the next part we have is the Ada Lovelace wraps up our STEM seven. Tell us your favorite women in STEM using the hashtag STEM gals. Our gal pals, Bonnie Fellenworth and Lisa Meese will return next week with our deep space exploration of how to get and keep gals interested in STEM careers. We're also going to be talking about the STEM awesomeness that awaits you at Starbase Indy. For more exploration, including show notes and links, visit galsguide.org. Add your voice to the discussion on Twitter at Gals Guide Galaxy. Support our mission by becoming one of our Patreon members. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Gals Guide to the Galaxy. Thank you for listening. Returning you to Earth in three, two, one.